kind of wanted to start off by saying thank you as a fan for truly another amazing album, The Missing Piece, and wanted to talk about that and get your opinion on some other things in, in the world of rock. I hope you're not uh, tired of telling the story of how you kind of reunited with Phil Lewis. It was at a charity event, right? Uh, that was, a, yeah, I mean, that was the initial, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. What was great about that is just hearing that sound. You know, because I had played the songs with so many people in that 10-year period. To just hear him sing the songs, it just was like an epiphany. Like, oh, this is what they sound like. <laughs> this is how they're you meant know. to sound. Right. You know, we both realized it. I guess there's something about my guitar playing with his voice that really makes sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm sure you've had this experience, too, over the years when you're at a show and you feel the electricity and the hair on your arm starts standing up. And, and that's what I right. got. That last show at Irvine Meadows huh? was one of those moments for me, man. The electricity in that crowd was amazing at that. And that was really the first time we got to see you back with Phil and hearing your guitar and his voice again. And uh, wild. Yeah. yeah the that, whole time. That, was, that was the test. You know, that was that show was the test, you know to see if, you know, everybody felt the same way we did. Because Phil was still playing in, in his version of L.A. Guns at that time. You know, he didn't call it quits till New Year's right after that. You know, so, you know, we made a good show. And you're right. You know, it was really electric and, and uh, the crowd was all there. And we got excited at that point. You know, like, wow, OK, we can do this, you know. And definitely looking forward to the show coming up here on the uh, 27th of January. House mm-hmm. of Blues of Anaheim getting getting to rock the new House of Blues of Anaheim. Right, right, right. Yeah, I wasn't really aware that they had remodeled or moved or, or whatever, but when I heard that, that, that made me more excited. Because, I mean, I had played the old place once, and it was, and, and I mean, honestly, it was kind of a dank, weird place. <laughs> it was. It was a different room than the other House of Blues, you know, so looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's all new, like state of the art. It, it, it and and they finally did it right, where the room is sloped. So if you're standing in the back, you can still see. You're not looking at the back of people's heads. Oh, that's good. Uh, Very good. Are you doing anything else? I know it's kind of going on in conjunction with the Nam Week, but are you going to be at the actual convention center doing any signings or anything? No, I've given up on Nam. You know, I have you know a small bout with social anxiety. You know, I just can't be in those giant places with you know people in each ear while you're trying to walk from place to place. You know, so I, a couple of years ago, I just gave up. <laughs> I can't do it. I went last year for the first time, and, it, and it's great, but I could definitely un- understand your point of view. But it, it's also cool to be walking yeah. around and see, see Stevie Wonder playing a harmonica and just a big no, crowd gathering around him. Yeah, I mean, if it was more just a little bit more laid back, you know, I'd be in it. But it's just, I, I instantly get nervous. You know, there's just too much going on at once. It's like, okay, <laughs> stop. <laughs> It's amazing, though, how you can feel so nervous in a room, but then you got your guitar in your hand and, and you yeah. know, nothing else in the world matters at that point. Yeah, no, it's it's really true. You know, it's kind of like, you know, going up on stage in front of, it doesn't matter how many people, it's like kind of, you know, getting in the warm bath you know, with the <laughs> guitar on. It's, it's an awesome, safe place most of the time. Hey, speaking about playing guitar and wanting to bring up with, with the new album, of course, you and Phil getting back together, but your first time mm-hmm. working with Michael Grant and kind of talk about uh, your impressions mm-hmm. of him and how he contributed on the missing piece. Well, Michael, you know, I mean, he really has a certain energy that is part of the L.A. Guns 
kind of architect, you know, architecture of, you know, high energy, snotty, kind of just all out, you know, he lays everything on the line. When he joined the band, when I wasn't in the band, I really dug him. You know, I was like, wow, you know, this guy is just his own creature, you know, clad in leather, which is L.A. Guns. You know, it's supposed to be a band full of character. I started talking to him a couple of years before this all went down, and, and he asked me at one point, he goes, he goes, hey, man, are you ever going to come back to L.A. Guns? And I'm like, no. And he's like, all right. And then when this all went down, he was the first person I had to call, you know, say, say hey, well, listen, uh, I lied to you, and, uh, <laughs> you know, do you want to be in L.A. Guns? And he's like, yeah, I mean, of course I do. I'm like, okay. But, you know, as a songwriter, he really brings the more, you know, youthful L.A. Guns energy into the writing, which is more reminiscent of, like, the first and second records. And it's really necessary. I mean, although, you know, I wrote Speed and, and a couple of the same types of songs for the record, I just feel that, you know, he really is there to light a fire under, you know, our ass. Just like Shane Fitzgibbon, our drummer, you know, they're younger guys with a lot of energy. You know, they're at the top of their game musically. That's always been my criteria, you know, is trying to play with the best musicians. And it's hard to find the, the best musicians that also have that, that kind of mojo. Phil and I really agree that kind of took 30 years to get the band just right, you know, and uh, because we really feel like now it's really just right. We have a future, you know, we have something to look forward to. The missing piece isn't the end, you know, hopefully. We have a lot of stuff to do and we still got to go out and support this record just, you know, the entire year. You know, it came out at the end of the year. So we got a lot of shows and we got to write an another record and we have to record another record before, you know, February of 2019. So, you know, we're pretty busy. I love it, man. And want to get your take on a couple of tunes off the new album. And you had already okay. mentioned one of them, Speed. What can you tell me about that tune? Well, Speed was something that the riff I wrote in like 2008 or around that time. I had it in a folder on my computer and it was called Bad 80s Riff. <laughs> and, and then when I was looking for stuff to put together quickly to demo up, you know, with Phil, so, you know, I could show him where my head was at musically. I just saw that, and I go, oh, what, what is that bad 80s riff, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and I put it on, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you know, you know, because it's just funny how psychologically, you know, your brain works towards music, you know, so you might love something one day and hate it another day, and, you know, just depending on the mood you're in. I'm glad, I'm glad that one existed, you know, in the past, I was able to, to build, you know, a, a really you know, excellent, high-quality L.A. Gun song around that one. And, uh, you know, that's the song that really had the most impact off this record and really lit the fire for people buying the record. And this record uh, has sold very well, which is uh, a shock to everybody involved. Oh, yeah, in this day and age. It, and Speed, an yeah. instant, instant classic. Like, one listen, you're like, oh, yeah, this is my L.A. Oh, thanks, Guns. Man. Um, thanks, bro. A couple more from The Devil Made Me Do It. That's Michael's. See, ah. you know, without he wrote that one and bring and knife to a gunfight. Those songs are so important for the missing piece record because had I not had those songs, you know, it probably would have ended up an even more diverse record, which is always either something LA Guns fans love or they they don't like that. You know, so, you know a lot of LA Guns fans they just want the fast, the hard, and the heavy where a smaller percentage, they like the diversity and the, and the kind of exploration musically. But, you know, we really needed stuff like that. And Johnny wrote Baby's Got a Fever, which, which is the same kind of energy. You know, so at least half the record 
sounds like really young, high energetic LA guns. Those guys are really responsible for that stuff. Curious if uh, Sticky Fingers is a little ode to Rolling Stones, maybe? No. The, the guy I co-wrote that with, he just came up with that title, and it's more about just, you know, people that got their hands in your pockets all the time. <laughs> you know, and of course we love, you know, Rolling Stones, Sticky Fingers, but I think that one is more sexual and one is more apropos for today's climate. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Hey, uh, settle a bet for me. I wanted to ask you about an old tune, okay. uh, Electric Gypsy, I, specifically mm-hmm. about the video. Where was that filmed? Because my buddy's like, oh, that's out like on the way to Palm Springs. And I'm like, I think that's more like off the 40, like going to Laughlin or something. It is. It's off the 40. It's uh, between Barstow and somewhere. Is it like <laughs> Goff's Road? Like Goff's Road, where they have those big, huge bumps on the middle of nowhere? Um, it's not quite there. There's no town there. There's only a railroad that goes through, and that and that's why we we chose that place. But that was a long time ago, man. I don't even remember exactly, but but I know it was off the forty because it wasn't uh, it wasn't near Palm Springs. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I figured. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure. Like I've been out on that road. Like I used to have family that lived in Bullhead, so we'd go out to Laughlin and Bullhead and that whole area. Oh, right on. And, and drive that all the time. So I, I I've yeah. been dying to know that one. I wanted to get your opinion on <laughs> on a couple things in in just the world of rock and being rock fans, and especially sad this week with the loss of Fast Eddie Clark. Wow. Yeah. Not cool. I mean, you know, none of us are getting younger, but, you know, in his case, he got this flu and it turned into pneumonia and that's what took him, you know? So surprising, you know? I mean, when guys go in their 60s, it's usually, you know, really early onset bad health or younger drug abuse that catches up or, you know, whatever it is. But the Fast Eddie scenario is just kind of was really a surprise, you know I mean? It's really a shock. You know, because, I mean, he, he looked great. He was young. He was in great shape. You know, to have, you know, pneumonia come in and, and get you, you know, it's, it's it's very real. And it should remind everybody their mortality and to take the vitamin C because, you know, that's brutal. Tragic. I mean, bad year for guitar players. We also lost Malcolm Young, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mal, you know, his his thing might be a lesson to, you know, young, glamorous alcoholics. You know, I mean, you know, when he was... uh younger you know in the 30s and probably before that but when i first encountered him and you know we toured with him twice and the first tour we did steve young was playing in his spot because he was going through you know help with with alcoholism and then the next time we toured which was in like 90 and 91 that i don't remember but um mal was out there and you know i had a long talk and he's just like yeah you know i I drink, man. You know, <laughs> and he wasn't at the time. But all these things, and I and I really get to see it from the friends around me that are older now. You know, the guys that were heavy into the stuff, they're in a lot worse shape today than the guys that didn't. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Even, even guys that quit ten, fifteen years ago, you know, that stuff really catches up with you eventually. And uh, you know, my vice is sugar, so you know, <laughs> I hope that doesn't catch up with you. <laughs> Maybe, but it's just. As, just as evil as everything else, I think. Yeah, right. Might end up diabetic mm-hmm. or something. What do you, yeah. What do you think with with Malcolm gone now and and with Angus kind of last man standing in ACDC? You think it's time to pack it in, or or what do you think? Uh, you know, knowing the guitarist leader mentality, probably not. You know, I think uh, you know Angus is going to take it as, as far as, as he physically can. 
And that's my opinion, but um, I can't imagine he wouldn't. You know, I mean, he's got Axel, and I know Axel is really into the idea of making new music with ACDC because, you know, touring with an established band or the biggest band is one thing, but creating music with the band and, and you know leaving a legacy i think that that axel would be really excited to do that and, and i'm sure angus would be too and that might be a nice you know way to cap acdc i feel so bad for brian johnson man it feels like he yeah, kind of got I mean, left in the uh, in the dust yeah i mean uh i don't think there's i don't think anybody knows the truth except angus and brian you know i i don't know that it was as cold-hearted as it, as it appears to be. Uh, then again, I also have a lot of experience with band members. People change, you know what I mean? And relationships change, and it's unfortunate when somebody loses, but I don't think anybody in ACDC other than Malcolm loses. I mean, the legacy of, of Brian Johnson is, is incredible, and, you know, it's not like he's short on cash, you know? So, <laughs> That's you know, true. So there's, there's a certain freedom not being in your band, Believe me, I know, you know, <laughs> and people don't understand that, you know, that when particularly when you're having great success, it's demanding. And people always say, well, you could be flipping burgers or you could be doing this, you could be doing that. Yeah, you know, we get it. But at the same time, going from time zone to time zone and months at a time really takes its toll on you, especially when you're older. And it's nice to have a break, and it's nice to kind of take control of something that's not so successful so you're not always committing to one thing after another. And that's the thing when you're successful is you have to commit every day to some activities that maybe you wouldn't normally do if you just were kind of being an artist rather than a business person. I had just a couple more for you, one to hit you with. Sure. God, this year alone, man, I've gotten more rock and roll books than ever before. And and mm-hmm. it got me to thinking, like, does Tracy have a book in him at some point? Are we going to get that book? Yeah, I've got Facebook, man. <laughs> <laughs> Philip's going to do a book, and I'm going to help him with his book. You know, Phil's a lot more brave than I am. He's willing to tell it all. I'm not willing to say anything. You know, that's that's kind of the thing. Is, you know, I have, you know, great memories, and they're my memories, and I've worked with great people that have done Swedish things, and I've done Yiddish things. You know, I mean, people do Yiddish things, but those are our personal experiences. I mean, that's how I feel. You know, so you know, I just kind of choose. You know, have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything daily. else. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's enough. There's enough historians out there, you know, writing the correct stories and the wrong stories. And you know, generally, when people ask me a question, I answer it, you know, as accurately as, as I can. But like I said, Philip's doing a book. You know. He plans on letting everything hang out, you know, so I'm going to, you know, get on his train and, and just kind of support him and what he's doing, you know, try to add some fuel to his fire there. Awesome. Well, I hope I hope it inspires you going through the process with Phil, man. I think it'd be a fun story to tell. And speaking of kind of being an open book and just kind of wanted to ask, mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone knows totally that you're the, the guns and guns and roses and wondering right. if you're willing to kind of talk about that time period. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really have to. I mean, the, the funny thing is, 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 you know, when L.A. Guns first came out, after I was in Guns N' Roses, that was the question of the day. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, you know, what happened, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, I never realized that all these children were going to be born after that, <laughs> that were going to be fans of, of all the music, you know. So, you, you know, the, I realized that a long time ago that, you know, people don't know, especially young people. And the, the short story is, is that Izzy lived with me at my mom's house, and he always told me he had a 
friend in Indiana named Axel that was a great singer and I believed him eventually Axel came out and they had a band called Hollywood Rose together and, and I had a, you know my high school band put together which I changed the name to LA Guns when they had Hollywood Rose and we did our first gig together at this place called Madame Wong's in Santa Monica and uh, that was the first time I saw Axel sing was with Hollywood Rose and it was at a sound check and I was like holy Jeez, man, this guy's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, we were all, became really good friends. Izzy split Hollywood Rose to play with London. At that time, we had also, our singer Mike Jagos, who passed away recently, needed a replacement for him, so I just asked Axel, and Axel said, so yeah, you know, let's do that. And then we did a game with London, you know, LA Guns with London, <laughs> that didn't end up well for anybody. You know, so we did that. And we were real happy in L.A. Guns. And then Izzy got fired from London somehow. And then our manager in L.A. Guns, although he lived with Axel and I, he decided he wanted to fire Axel. Uh, right after the, uh, the show we did the Troubadour or something like that and um, so we all got home and our manager goes in his bedroom and Axel and I sit on the couch and you know this sucks you know what are we going to do you know right. and we just said hey you know let's continue writing and you know we'll do independent records and we'll call our label Guns and Rose <laughs> and that's how, how that the name came up and then within five minutes we're like well screw that let's get Izzy he's not in the band we'll start a new band and we'll call it Guns and Rose and eventually within the same conversation conversation has turned into Guns N' Roses and then I hung around for a little bit under a year and then that became no fun uh, <laughs> for various reasons and then I went back and did LA Guns and Guns N' Roses did their thing the rest is history that's it <laughs> Well, it's great, man. I think you should, you know, spread the word. And not everyone's a big music nerd like I am. So that's why I wanted to kind of. Not anymore. They're not. And no. I think a lot of the younger kids, like really like kids, like, you know, kids under 15, they're getting really more into it, you know, especially the trivial side of it and the nostalgia and the, the like what happened. Because, you know, the stories from, you know, the late 50s to the late 80s, those are the best ones. <laughs> you know, they, 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 that's the best times for rock and roll. It's cool these days, especially being back in L.A. Guns, looking out in the crowd and seeing, you know, teenagers dressed up like really cool, you know. Hell Not that yeah. I would dress up like, like that now, you know, being almost 52, but it's cool to see it. Absolutely, man. That's a, that's a great thing about music. It is timeless, even though people do want to put time capsules on them, but it really is timeless right. and ageless. And uh, well, that's what I that's what I learned about L.A. Guns. You know, um, being outside of it and coming back to it is that, you know, we had a definite image on our first two records. You know, it was a definitive time, a lifestyle kind of band and everything like that. But, you know, playing the music again with Phil, you know, for those first few rehearsals and, and, you know, shows and stuff like that, that, that our music is timeless. And that's all I ever wanted. I had to really step outside of it to see that. I'm really lucky that I have the opportunity in this business to have, what is it, my sixth chance? <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> you know, but I put that down to practicing every day. If you put the time in, you'll get out of it what, what you hope. <laughs> well, us, us, the fans, are really the lucky ones that we get to hear this magic made once again. And I, awesome. appreci I appreciate all the time. Just one last kind of question for you. If you since we're an Inland Empire-based radio station, do you have any fun memories, early shows, epic shows from back in the day that took place in the Inland Empire? Girls from the Inland Empire coming to Hollywood <laughs> and perhaps maybe Izzy and I driving 
fact there. (laughs) Tuck them in at night. Yeah, to tuck them in at night. They always seemed to be really nice girls from the Inland Empire, you know, because they were new. The chicks around L.A., you know, we knew them all. And they, you know, I mean, we come from an interesting time where, you know, women were everything for our scene. You know, just ask Brett Michaels, man. Oh, yeah. They took care of us. They enabled us to... uh, you know, pursue our, our, our dreams more than anybody because, you know, they did not mind, you know, washing the dishes and, and making sure that we were as healthy as possible. And <laughs> we were just complete assholes. We took advantage of, of everything around us, you know. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of great stories are made, a lot of great music was made. And I don't know one woman from back then that's sore about anything that happened. We love women, and, and that's what, you know, our music is kind of all about, isn't it? Absolutely. The celebration of them. Absolutely. Amen. God bless them. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time and the great album. I look forward to the show at the House of Blues, man. Can't wait. Come say hi, man. I definitely will. You going to be hanging out afterwards? Yeah, I will for sure. Okay. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Tracy. Have a good one. You got it. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.